0: Hi there, folks. I'm Iliani from RPGMP3.com and GreyWardens.com. And with me today, I have Chris Premus from Green Ronin. Hi, Chris. Hello. Perhaps um, we might as well start with the basics. You could tell us a bit about yourself, um, who are you, and um, why I'm interviewing.
1: Uh, well, my name is Chris Premus. I'm uh, the president of uh, Green Renine Publishing. Um, I've been working in the game industry since uh, 1993 in a variety of capacities. I started as a freelance writer, and then I've uh, spent time on staff at various companies, including Wizards. Um, and then I started Green Renine, uh ten years ago. In fact, it was in in 2000. Um, and you're talking to me because uh, Green Renine has just published a tabletop version of Dragon Age, um, and I was the lead designer of that, uh, as well as the publisher. So uh, I think we're, we're both going to enjoy some Dragon Age action, yeah? Definitely. Um, well,
0: we at uh, greywarns.com certainly like a bit of old mm-hmm. Dragon Age. Now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: despite the best efforts of the industry, um, a lot of people still consider tabletop role-playing games to be sort of the territory of the basement dweller so to speak <laughs> yeah and it's to my understanding that um the dragon age tabletop game was actually designed to be a sort of uh, how to put it a entry-level system so that people who've enjoyed tr- dragon age the computer game could uh, go oh they've released a tabletop i think i'll give that a go and uh, enter into the hobby perhaps you could tell us a bit about how you've gone about uh, facilitating such
1: Sure. Um, yeah. Well, basically, when uh, when we were talking to Bioware about uh, how to approach things, it just seemed to me that this was a really good opportunity to bring some new blood into the the tabletop side of gaming. Uh, you know, we, we knew that Bioware would would really get the Dragon Age property out there. You know, um, and so. It, it would be an opportunity that really I don't know there just hasn't been much like it in in the last ten or twenty years really, um, to you know with the creation of like a new exciting property and and then you know a big company kind of pushing that property out there uh, and then it sort of allowed us to kind of piggyback on that and uh, and you know like if Green Renine had done like a introductory fantasy game box set and just put it out ourselves then people would say, well, why should I care about yet another fantasy game? But you, if you attach that idea to Dragon Age, then all of a sudden it's a lot more exciting, you know? Um, and, uh, and the, you know, the property was well-suited for it. And so um, the approach we decided to take was to release the game in a series of four boxed sets, each one of which covered five levels of play. So the one that's out now is set one that covers levels one to five, and then set two will be six to ten, etc. Um, and that way you get the game in sort of digestible chunks and you're not supposed to here, buy two or three, 300 page books and read that. And then you're ready to go. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's much less intimidating. Um, and also the, the box set format allows us to include everything you need to play, including dice, um, and, uh, things like that. So, um, it's, I thought an agreeable format and approach, uh, for an introductory game. Now,
0: see, that um, has actually been a, one of the uh, biggest points that has been discussed um, at length by the Green Ronin community on the forums. Yeah. Uh, quite a few people have brought up um, a dislike towards the box set, seeing the game as being incomplete or mm-hmm. um, seeing it as, uh, as actually... One of the one of the most interesting things commented upon um, has been that it might actually be detrimental towards the uh, the role-playing game as a as a uh, individual uh, product because as time goes on interest in dragon Age itself will wane less people will be interested in the uh, in the actual tabletop role-playing game perhaps you could uh, ease some of the minds of the naysayers, so to speak
1: <laughs> well, um, I obviously I disagree. Uh, I mean, the thing about I mean, a lot of computer games, like in over time, like they've tended to be like, here's a game and now it's over with, you know, mm-hmm. and. Dragon Age clearly isn't that way. You know, the Dragon Age Origins wasn't the the beginning and end. It was just the beginning. You know, there has already been downloadable content. There's a major expansion coming out very soon. You know, they're doing Dragon Age 2. So there's novels, there's comics, you know. So Dragon Age is is really just taking off and is going to be with us for some time. So the idea that you know, the, by the time our game is done, like no one will care about Dragon Age. I, I just <laughs> don't think that that's true. Um, and I would rather err on the side of making the game approachable than, um, than you know, come out with some three or 400 page book that only caters to existing gamers because, you know, that's that market is, is just limited. Um, and, you know, we'd like to both for our own sake and for the sake of the hobby, really get some new people into it.
0: And everybody knows gamers are poor, so they can't afford the big expensive books.
1: <laughs> um, well, some gamers are poor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and th- the other thing about the way we've done it is, you know, other boxed sets that, that other, or like introductory products that other companies have done, they usually take the form of some box of limited utility that's meant to introduce you, which you then more or less cast aside, and then you have to spend more money to mm-hmm. get the quote, "quote" real game. And you know the way that we've done this. This is the game. You know, like it's not you're not going to use set one and then toss it aside. Like it still has the 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 core of the game in it, and that's what's going to be built on in the subsequent sets. So we're not asking you to spend thirty dollars, so you can later spend fifty dollars more. You know, um, th- this is the game. See, that's actually
0: um, we keep um, drawing the parallel between uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the free book, free books each costing thirty dollars each or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, whereas uh, the actual idea of uh, the, the levelled box sets is uh, very similar, in fact, to the origins of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, going back a few years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, it's basically modeled on the old, you know, Basic Expert etc sets mm. that uh the TSR did back in the early 80s um and you know i mean i think that the the classic like TSR red boxed set like there hasn't been an intro product as successful of that since then and that was what 1983 or 2 you know i mean it's been a while
0: the second uh, generation of that so- um, box set the uh, i believe if my memory serves and a big giant uh, red dragon on the front was actually mm-hmm. my introduction to the hobby itself so uh,
1: yeah and for many people
0: i mean i've been doing it for christ coming on to 13 years now so uh, but um to return back to the topic at hand will there um it as a is there any plans of releasing a um sort of a, a full rule set uh, eventually once all the uh, other sets are over perhaps a single book containing all the rules
1: uh, yeah probably I mean you know once we've got all four box sets out you know it it would make sense to do something like the old um, d rule cyclopedia you mm. know which took the content of all those old box sets and then you know edited it all together and and reorganized it and whatever um, so, yeah, we might do something like that, but that would be a waste down the road. Mm-hmm, of course. Now,
0: I speak from experience myself, as I mentioned before, I've had a good 13 years of uh, gaming under my belt, that there is a stage in every gamer's life where they think, oh, I'm going to be the next Guy Jack or I'm going to be the next I- Arnton. <laughs> yeah. Would there be uh, any tips you could offer to budding writers hoping to get into the uh, industry?
1: um sure uh actually the the best tip that i can give someone doesn't actually relate to their their genius per se um it's more that you know you can build a really good career by being one of the people who reliably gets work done on time um this is actually more rare than one might think so <laughs> if uh, if you are can be one of those people you know you can get a a Fairly ready supply of work, um, although you know things have sort of changed since I got into it. I mean, in you know in 1993 when I was looking for my first freelance work, um, you know you could start your own company, but like there were you know some, some reasonable hurdles that you had to overcome to to do that, um, and likely it, you know you were going to start as a freelancer, and then after you got some experience under your belt, maybe you'd go on and and you know. Uh, start your own company, which is basically what I did. Um, but uh, these days, it's much easier to self-publish if you want to, because you can become a PDF publisher, you know, if you've got a copy of Adobe Acrobat and some clip art, you know. Um, so, it's, uh, that's, it really sort of depends on what what you're interested in. If really you just want to write, you know, then you're probably better off um, getting freelance work from existing companies. If, you building a, a business is also of interest to you, you know, or you just really want to do things your way, you know, you've got a vision and and you want to get it out there, uh, you know, with the look and feel that you want, um, then the it's much easier these days to start up your own company, start PDF publishing. And then because there's also um, the option for print on demand, you know, you can go to conventions, sell your stuff direct, sell it off a website or Whatever, um, so that's a plus. The minus of that, of course, is that there's an enormous uh, amount of small <laughs> press, you know, um, PDF, POD publishers out there. So you also need then to to get yourself noticed and uh, really, you know, building a a sort of reputation for quality and reliability. You know, these these things will serve you well. Um, no matter which way you approach things, um, and that applies to to companies as well. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that that we're even doing Dragon Age is that you know Bioware knew of Green Ronin and liked what we had done, and so they came and talked to us about doing a tabletop version of their game. Um, and you know, that was because of our reputation, and we've had a number of uh, of good things, you know, sort of drop into our laps because uh because of that reputation so it's uh it's a good thing to have
0: thank you as you've uh, mentioned you've got a fair bit of uh, experience freelancing and then onto to uh, green ronin have there been uh, any lessons that you learned quite early on in your career that have really uh, really helped you in these sort of latter stages
1: um, well, so my, the first company I started was called Ronin Publishing, which is largely forgotten these days, but um, <laughs> we uh, that company started around 1996, and uh, we published um, the Whispering Vault RPG, which we picked up from its original publisher, and then we also did, uh, we published one book for the Feng Shui game that we'd licensed from uh, Daedless, who was the original publisher of that. Um, and. Uh, the the hard lesson I learned from that company was, don't go into business with your childhood gaming friend. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, if things go badly, it may adversely affect your friendship. Um, so <laughs> that was a hard lesson.
0: <laughs> so, you know. uh, no, I, I, I chuckle so much. It reminds me of some of the um, sort of schemes me and my gaming group came up, to, come up with uh, certainly during the high school years. Now yeah. moving back onto Dragon Age, uh, the actual tabletop game has been out for a for a fair while now. Have there been any sort of characteristics of the game that really surprised you, sort of uh, in its reception? I mean, things that the game that the uh, community really, really latched onto, really enjoyed, or really disliked that you just completely out of the blue didn't expect it.
1: Um, well, I guess I didn't expect. Uh, you know, there's been some amount of pushback about. You know how aspects of character creation are random, and some people were, you know, like reacted very strongly to that, which I have to admit was a surprise to me. Um, I, uh, you know, part of the deal was that that what Bioware, the whole reason that they want to do this project was that they wanted. Dragon Age as an IP to have kind of like an old school feel to it, and that's why they want to have you know their their own tabletop game because of course you know every like fantasy computer RPG is ultimately descended from D &D, and (laughs) D, and so you know they sort of want to echo that. So it wasn't really a question in my mind that. You know, if, we're, if we want to do something that evokes old school, that yeah, you're gonna roll for your abilities, right? Um, and uh, you know, I, I have planned to offer more options as the game expands. But one of the things that I didn't want to do in the first set, which was you know, an intro set was to overwhelm people with options. Like when you're trying to teach someone something, every time you offer an option, you're you're offering a decision point for them that they have to feel like it's a decision they can make and they need to think about it and whatever. And each decision point is also potentially an exit point where someone's like, oh you know, I've had it with this, I'm confused forget about this. So I didn't want to load down the intro set with lots of options. Like, you know, here's four ways you can make a character, you know, that's something that Existing gamers wants but if you're new to the hobby, you know, like you just want the rules to tell you what to do. <laughs> and so uh, So that's why I decided to, to first of all go with the random character generation and then uh, Not include a point by option in the first set, you know, will there'll be one in the second set So people who are really like, you know, just can't deal with the idea of rolling dice or whatever, you know, they'll they'll have an option um, so yeah that was probably uh the biggest surprise for me um was you know that that would actually be uh um contentious i guess I, you know we're we're gamers right mm. we, we like mm. dice so.
0: <laughs> mm. i must admit it actually did surprise me when i uh, presented it to the panthers game as my own group that um mm. how uh, how adverse certain members of the party would be to the uh, dice system it's um, there's a there's a clear parallel between, that emerged between the the older gamers or the people who've been more experienced in the older games uh, pre preferred edition and those who have grown up with third edition and the point spy system it's uh, it was an interesting parallel to see emerge now the 3d6 game mechanic that's yeah. um a very, very interesting mechanic. What uh, made you choose that, especially the stunt system as well?
1: Um, So the 3D6 I wanted because it creates a bell curve. And, um, you know, the sort of classic, like, D20 roll, uh, it is, of course, it does go back to the very roots of role-playing, but the, the problem with a straight D20 roll is that you have exactly the same odds of rolling any result, right? So you can be, like... Sir Awesome the awesomest, (laughs) and you have an equal chance of rolling a 1 or a 20, and a lot of times in combats, you know, it's like you'll be fighting the most pathetic thing, and you'll roll a 1 or a 2, you know, and Sir Awesome, you basically, he can't even hit, you know, a kobold, and so it – what I like about the 3d6 thing is that it gives you this bell curve where the results are more predictable. So you can still have your swings. You know, you can get an 18. You can roll a three. It's just that those results happen less often, and so you're more likely to get a result, you know, within a range. And when you add that to your, you know, your uh, ability or your prowess, then. You know, Sir Awesome is going to be fairly reliably awesome. You know, every once in a while he'll screw up, and every once in a while he'll get a fantastic result. But you know, most of his results will will come within a range that more accurately reflects sort of how skilled he is. Um, and so I I like that from a design point of view. Um, and then once I had decided on that. Uh, I then was looking for a way to have something like uh, some kind of like a dynamic critical hits system. Um, and that's sort of where the the whole stunt system came from. Um, because what I what I didn't want to do for the game was have basically like page after page or book after book of special abilities. You know, it's uh, endless special abilities like because. It just gets tiresome, and it also is confusing for people. Um, And you know, you have to remember endless numbers of abilities and all this and that. So I thought it'd be much better to have something like the stunt system, where basically you can sort of mix and match from from sort of key elements, and then uh, allow you sort of create your own funky stuff. And it would also keep it a little fresher, in that you know, because you can combine. The stunts in different ways and then you get to sort of narrate what it is that you're doing It's it's not the same as just being like, okay Well, you know, I shoot twice. I shoot twice again. I shoot twice again, you know, like that sort of loses its fun factor Um, And uh, I think the the stunt system helps you retain a little more of the novelty for a longer period of time because you can mix and match um, the stunts
0: Okay now one of the things that have actually come up quite a fair amount in uh, play is um, monsters getting stat points, um, especially in some of the earlier sections of Dalish Curse where the party are outnumbered and the monsters have a, a significantly more uh, sorry, greater chance of achieving these stunt points. Um, how was this uh, found in playtesting and the actual development of the game? Was this something that
1: was encountered? Do you mean that because there is a fair number of monsters um, that stunts are more likely just because they're rolling more? Is that what you mean? Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I mean. Yes, sorry
1: for ah, not being okay.
0: specific. <laughs> um, it, uh,
1: you know, it didn't it didn't come up as a particular problem during playtesting because um, the you know being the monsters uh, uh-huh. that they, they get to do stuff too, right? So um, it's it's one of the, the bits of tension in the game. You know, like when you get it attacked, is it just going to be an attack, or you know, are they going to get to do something too?
0: Okay, now grey wardens are distinctly yeah. absent from um, set one. They are. Um, what what made you actually decide uh, upon this? Uh, grey Wardens themselves are obviously pivotal in the uh, actual computer yeah. game itself, but uh, so yeah, what made you? Um, decide to leave the mountains, that one?
1: Uh, well, two things. Um, first of all, I, I really took seriously the idea that the Grey Wardens are an elite order, right? And so, uh, you know, it seems to me like that it's, it should be something that you have to achieve in play. You know, that basically being a Grey Warden isn't a gimme, that, you know, it is, it is an honor, you know, and a privilege to be recruited into an elite order. So, the idea that you would start the game at first level and you'd just be a gray warden. Um, you know, that, that just didn't feel right to me. Um, and uh, the other thing was that I didn't want to assume too much about the sort of campaign framework that an individual GM was going to have. So, you know, Dragon Age could have been the role playing game where you're all gray wardens and, you know, that's the game. But because, Bioware has built, you know, this pretty rich world. There's all sorts of adventures that you can have in Ferelden and Thedas, right? And so I wanted it to be more of a of a sort of sandbox thing, where if you want to run that Grey Warden campaign, of course you can do that. And you know, the sort of backdrop of our adventures is uh, is that you know that the Blight is happening, but you could equally well run. Uh, adventures set during the Orlesian occupation of Ferelden, if you want, and instead turn it into a, you know, a campaign where the players are freedom fighters for Ferelden that, you know, has nothing to do with the Blight. Um, And so I thought by sort of keeping the options open in set one, you know, it'd make it easier for GMs to do what they wanted and not feel like to play Dragon Age, you know, you have to do the Grey Warden campaign. Okay. That's quite an interesting answer. Now,
0: one thing that's been addressed in both um, prelude novels to Dragon Age and the Dragon Age game itself, and soon, soon the uh, expansion pack uh, Awakenings, is the risk of becoming a Grey Warden of yep. uh, taking the, the joining which is the, for those of you at home unaware, is the ritual one must take to become a Grey Warden Will this be something that's uh, addressed in uh, the game, or are you unable to say it at this moment in time?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you become a gray warden, then, then you will have to go through the joining. Um, you know, that said it, it, <laughs> I mean, you'll, you'll notice in, in the computer game, when you have the joining uh, section, you know, of course, there's no chance that your character's <laughs> going to die. You know, it's, it's, you know, Sir Jory, you know, the, mm. the sad ass, <laughs> uh, you know, he's the one who's going to die to show you how dangerous it is. Um, mm. So it's it's unlikely that you know that we're gonna have it so that, that your beloved character who's just earned a place in the work snuff it, you know. <laughs> <ish.
0: laughs> um, it would make for certainly a short game.
1: Yeah, there might be a small <laughs> chance of that, but uh, you know, I don't know. That's 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 not very fun, is it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, no, I can. I've I imagined as a, as the uh, GM, I could take quite delight in that. Especially if I could see the look on my player's face when it happened. But um, Uh that's uh, being the evil GM that I am. Now, a number of um, community members have been asking recently um, the same sorts of questions. Uh, This is mainly revolving around the soon-to-come Awakenings expansion. Will pieces from Awakenings and future um, expansions to the Dragon Age universe be reflected in future sets?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, as, you know, as the setting and, uh, you know, the story expands, uh, certainly there's going to be stuff that we're going to want to pull from there and and include in our game. Um, You know, basically, I've got a dialogue with the Bioware team. And so, you know, I get information from them and I send them our stuff for approval. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, of course, we want to to reflect um, what's going on with, with the property.
0: Okay. Now, speaking of your dialogue with the developers at Bioware, yeah. how far can we consider, or so how close can we consider, the uh, products released by Green Ronin to be uh, canonical?
1: Um, well, I mean, I guess really that's a question for them, you know, <laughs> but... Um, everything that we do is approved by Bioware, you know, um, so uh, it's, you know, presumably, if they didn't think it was right, they wouldn't approve it. Mm. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's fairly canonical, but, you know, one of the things I've discovered over the years in, in working on licensed stuff is that, that the license holder, you know, if something out there becomes inconvenient, like that some licensee has done mm-hmm. you know like and they really want to do something they're not going to let it hold them back you mm-hmm. know like if george lucas decides he's <laughs> going to do new star wars movies that contradict some like expanded universe novel that came out five years ago yeah george gonna do that you know because he doesn't care um <laughs> it do he it do one him.
0: of his movies
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so you know maybe someday by where will decide some little detail we threw in like doesn't work for some story they want to do and they'll do something else but you know by and large like we're trying to work within their framework and they are, are approving the things that we do so you know I think it's it's fairly canonical
0: okay now moving on recently you've opened up uh, pre-orders for the second Dragon Age product the GM's kit. Yeah. could you tell us a bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, so it's got a second adventure in it. That's that's mostly what the booklet is. Uh, there's a 32-page booklet um, it Has a, a new adventure by Jeff Tidball uh, called a Band too many uh, and that can be played as a sequel to the Dalish curse or uh, on its own if you want to use that as an introduction to the game you can and then it uh, is bundled in print with uh, with a GM screen and it's uh, it's like a three panel landscape screen and it's it's made out of uh, Like a, the, the same material as the as a hardback book. So it's you know, it's like a hard hardbound bound screen So it's very very sturdy, That's pretty um, sturdy. and uh, Yeah, and then we we commissioned a brand new piece of art um, For it that features a whole bunch of dark spawn and, and other nasties on it uh, Which is very evocative and then on the other side is you know all the sorts of handy charts that you might need during play like you know the standard stunts you know the actions the hazard table things like that um, so uh yeah that's the, and then the the pdf version includes the tables and stuff but obviously we you know you don't get the back screen then um, but if you pre-order it now then you can you get the pdf for free right away and then um, when the screen comes out then you get that shipped to you
0: Okay, you mentioned that the uh, pre-order will be uh, given free when you... Um, not pre-order, I am talking about. The PDF. the PDF, thank you. The PDF will be yeah. uh, given for free if you make a pre-order of the GM's guides. Uh, this was also done for set one. Is this something that uh, yep. we can be expecting in the future for green own?
1: Yeah. Um, so, set one of Dragon Age was the first time we really tried that sort of a uh, of a promotion, and uh, it worked really well. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're uh, it's sort of uh, moving ahead. It's something that we're doing with most of our products now. Okay. Uh, we have a silk a, sim- uh, a similar deal uh, going on right now for Silver Age, which is the uh, the latest Mutants and Masterminds book, and for the Song of Ice and Fire campaign guide, um, which is the, the gigantic setting book for our Song of Ice and Fire game.
0: Okay, um, both of those are a little new to me. Could you uh, give us a, a brief, ex- brief uh, explanation of what they are?
1: Sure. Uh, so Mutes and Masterminds is our superhero game. Um, it's, uh, it's the most popular superhero RPG on the market on the, in the tabletop side of things. Um, and, uh, it's got over 20 odd supplements, uh, it now in print for the second edition which is the current edition and uh one of the sort of sub series that we've been doing um is the sort of age series starting with a book called golden age um and then iron age and then silver age is the sort of third one of these and each one talks about a different kind of age of comics so golden age was about the sort of world war ii era um and that told you about the sort of real-world history of Golden Age comics, and then had a bunch of applicable game material, including characters and powers and so on. So if you want to run a sort of smash-the-Nazis, you know, <laughs> mystery-men sort of game, you get get Golden Age. Um, so then Iron Age was about the, you know, sort of the gritty 80s dark vengeance comics, you know. Batman. Um, yeah. Um, and now Silver Age um, is uh, actually technically covers both the silver age and the, the so-called bronze age um and uh and that covers really like the sort of 60s and 70s you know real like four color you know um classic you know lee kirby sort of of stuff um and uh, it's written by chris mclaughlin uh who's one of our uh, our stalwart freelancers um who you know just has a huge passion for the stuff and so it's a really fun read um and it, it has uh archetypes in it like the avenging disco godfather which is awesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine some fun with that
1: <laughs> um so then um, one of the other games that we publish is uh, A Song of Ice and Fire role-playing. Um, that is, uh, is the game based on uh, George R. R. Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Fire series, Game of Thrones, and, and its sequels. Um, and that game came out about a year ago. Um, the rule book did, but the rule book, um, it only had 16, 20 pages of background material uh, because uh, there's this companion volume, the campaign guide, uh, that was going to have really all the the meat of info about Westeros in it. And so that has been approved and, um, and is coming out next. And so it's a, a 256 page setting book. Um, and pretty much whether you play our game or not, if you like those books, it's a great resource for you because, you know, it provides all sorts of details on, on the history and personalities of Westeros um, and, uh, you know, maps and uh, details about the different characters and and so on. Um, so it's a it's really a nice resource if you're a fan of Game of Thrones.
0: Now, um, actually, it reminds me of one of the questions I was going to ask earlier, we kind of breezed on past it, is mm-hmm. um, one of the criticisms of the set one has been the briefness of the material available in the world of actual, the actual world of Phaethus itself, I think, mm-hmm. uh, from what I've been reading, a lot of fans kind of expected to uh, find in the roleplay game uh, this massively fleshed-out world where they could find out all these details that um, the origins game itself didn't cover. Would a mm-hmm. setting guide be something you'd be looking to write at a later date?
1: Uh, possibly, uh, one of the ideas of the of the box sets was that um, that we were going to start with set one, kind of focused in on Ferelden um, first of all, because you know that's the setting fans are most familiar with, because that's Dragon Age Origins, um, and also because you know there there was a lot of information available from Bioware about it. Um, but that as the sets went on, then we would be sort of pulling back. A little bit from that focus and detailing more of the world so if you wanted to go to other parts you know you you could do so um so um in set two there's going to be a bunch of new backgrounds that reflect that and then that that will continue in, in sets three and four and coupled with those will be more information about the wider world um but, you know, we, we may do some source books later on, um, a, you know, more traditional sort of uh, uh, setting source books as well. Okay. Now, returning to the
0: uh, GM's guide, uh, when I went to make my pre-orders earlier, I noticed that uh, there wasn't a date of when it'd be released or when the uh, PDF offer would end. I don't suppose you'd have those to hand?
1: Uh, well so basically the PDF offer will run and you know until uh, till the print release is out um, and uh, it's I don't have a firm date on on when it's all gonna, Ship yet because we're having to print this in China, which means it's going to take you know probably a good <laughs> six weeks anyway. Um, and there's also things like customs to deal with and whatever. So we don't want to make a promise like it's going to come out week X and then have it be two weeks after that. Um, but uh, it, you know we're probably talking you know at least six weeks because uh, uh, basically we well we were able to print the boxed set domestically. Um, we couldn't find a printer. Who could do the screen uh affordably domestically so we're having to print that in china and uh and get it shipped over so it's going to take a little bit longer than than set one did yeah,
0: but still i mean uh, most uh, most gm screens these days are pretty much made out of the same material as the cover of set one so uh, the actual the hardback thickness is very very impressive
1: yeah, well, it was something we first did a couple of years ago. We did a we did a True 20 Narrators kit and we that's the first time we experimented with doing the hardback thing and once we've pulled the first one up and, you know, opened it up and set it up, we were like, "Okay, we're never going to do a screen that's not like this again because it was just too nice."
0: <laughs> okay, I I do believe that's uh, all the questions I have for you today. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, say to the fans of Dragon Age and of Green Ronin?
1: Uh, well, thanks for listening, um, and uh, you know, thanks for helping us uh, sell out our first print run on 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 Dragon Age. The uh, the first run of of set one uh, is sold out officially, and we're having to send that back to reprint. So, you know, it, it was on store shelves for less than a month uh, before we sold out. So, that is awesome. So, thank you all, and uh, stick with us. We've got plenty more Dragon Age goodness to come.
0: All right. Well, this is going to be a good night for me. And a good night from uh, Chris. And we'll catch you later. Bye, folks.